Okay. Awesome. Well, welcome to the New Street X podcast. I'm very excited today to have a special guest, Mike Dudas. So Mike, is the he's done many, many interesting things, but let me start off by talking about him as the co-founder of LinksDAO. So LinksDAO is creating the modern golf and leisure club, a global community of thousands of enthusiasts that have come together to create one of the world's greatest golf clubs and reimagining the country club. Also, Mike is the founder and general partner of Six Man Ventures, an early stage VC fund investing in Web3, Metaverse, DAO infrastructure, and applications. Mike is also the founder and CEO of The Block, the leading media and information brand in the blockchain and cryptocurrency ecosystem. Previously, Mike was the co-founder and CRO of Button, a leading global mobile performance marketing platform. And it seems like Mike's resume goes even longer, but I'll just stop there for now and love to hear from yourself, Mike. Thank you for coming on the podcast and love for you to introduce yourself and um, get tell the audience a bit about your background. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks so much for, for that intro, Tony. Uh, yeah. So I have been in crypto space full time since uh, beginning of 2018. So over four years now, you know, it feels like 40 years, as you know, like crypto is like sort of goes in uh, dog years. But the you know, prior to that, spent a decade in media, started my career at Disney, ended the first decade at uh, YouTube. And then switched to fintech uh, in 2010 and spent a bunch of time Google Wallet, Venmo, founded Button, as you mentioned, and then uh, got into crypto, founded The Block. Uh, the last year and a half, I've spent time you know, doing some really interesting things. One, investing out of six-man ventures. Uh, two, running stablecoin business for Paxos. Um, stablecoins are sort of critical to onboarding people. Um, to sort of the Web3 economy because they're, they're effectively you know, stable dollars versus these highly volatile yeah. currencies. And then, um, as you mentioned, recently started a cool project called LinksDAO that's effectively you know, an online and in real life golf club and leisure brand. So we're really excited about that, enabled by NFTs yeah. and you know, Web3 governance. So I've um, been really busy as an investor and a practitioner, and it really all came about uh, because of... Uh, you know, sort of this Web3 focus for me over the last couple of years came about because of uh, collecting and sort of rediscovering collecting via NBA Top Shot. And I guess that would have been the summer of 2020. Got it. Okay. Well, I mean, I feel like there's so, there's so many avenues I want to go down there. I mean, maybe we could take a step back and you said 2018 is when you first got into crypto. Now, obviously you have like a fintech tech background, so you were no, no alien to the space, but like, what was that moment when you got into crypto and realized, you know, this is something I want to, you know, found the block, get involved in this beyond just like purely from a hobby interest perspective. Yeah. So I had basically discovered crypto for the first time in that 2012, 2013 period, you know, purchased my first Bitcoin in 2013. Uh, this was when I was at Braintree Venmo, we were doing payment processing for Uber and Airbnb, and we thought about, you know, hey, should we allow our uh, our customers to use Bitcoin to pay? Um, at the time, you know, censorship resistant, low cost, global, you know, instant settlement, you know, relatively instant settlement network, very different than, you know, traditional payment rails. And I, I, I became enamored with it. We were working with Coinbase on, on a potential integration. So I purchased some personally. PayPal ended up buying Braintree Venmo. That implementation never happened. Turns out you know, people actually don't really pay with Bitcoin still. Yeah, um, so it's probably good that, that we didn't do that deal, but it got my brain moving. Um, I you know, still wasn't you know, ready to jump in at that point. Again, it was you know, Bitcoin was was effectively you know, most of crypto and all of crypto so started a traditional mobile commerce business called button spent four years on that 
And then it, it was hard not to notice the rise of Ethereum and yeah. you know, that 2016, 17 period, and you know, basically seeing you know, the ICO boom of, of 2017 and really starting to see you know, smart contracts and, and basically an application layer emerge uh, you know, on top of a crypto network. And that's really what got me excited. And it was finally, you know, hey, this looks a lot like what I've been doing for my career, you know, at the app layer, you know, maybe, maybe I should jump in full time. Uh, but as I looked around and said, hey, you know, what am I good at or what could I do full time? It wasn't really clear to me. I'm not an engineer, so I wasn't going to go build, you know, a new protocol. Um, I'd never invested before outside of some small angel investments. So, the thing that I did is like I, every time I'd answer, you know, I'd ask a crypto question. I was fortunate enough to be in some great Telegram groups and connected to you know, really smart people. You know, they give me an answer and I get maybe three different answers and I have 10 more questions. So I said, heck, I'm not the only one out here. So I started a company called The Block in early 2018 to, to help you know, answer the questions that I had. And I figured other people would have. Yeah. No. And, and how do you split your time today? Because I really love the fact that you know, you're, you kind of you got the media education angle through the block. You've already got investment through Siman Ventures. You've created links down. I'd love to dive deeper on that. But how do you spend your time between those those things? They all they all kind of work together and they're obviously in the same broad space. But uh, how do you decide where to spend your time? And then also after that, I'd love for you to dive deeper into links down because it seems like from what I've seen, it's it seems to be like at least maybe perhaps the biggest focus, at least for the last few months at least, or at least it's gotten the most press. Yeah, so the, the the professional focus, the number one professional focus is six man venture. Okay. So you know, we have a hundred and twenty five million dollar you know early stage venture fund investing in equity and tokens. Uh, you know, largely we would say Web three, primarily you know everything from infrastructure to application layer. So that could be like metaverse for companies, you know, play to earn gaming, um, Web three networks like a, a Web three Uber for example with token incentives um, to get drivers and riders to do certain things um, and, and incentivize certain behaviors, uh, DAOs themselves. Um, and then, as I mentioned, you know, DeFi to support, you know, marketplaces, wallets and other infrastructure tools. So you know, that's been the focus. Uh, we are a firm that you know, isn't, uh, there's some really highly concentrated firms that like you go and, and lead, you know, every deal they do. We have you know, a really focused specialty on, you know, marketing, communications, PR, business development, go to market. Uh, and then we actually use all these products, right? Yeah. And, and build some of these products ourselves. So that's our specialty. So we write sort of more checks perhaps than your average VC firm. Although with crypto investors, it's becoming increasingly common to have specialized investors and you have a syndicate of these really high quality specialized investors who work with you. Yeah. So we, that's my focus. Um, you mentioned LinksDAO, which, uh, you, I fundamentally believe that to be an exceptional crypto investor, you have to in some way be as well a builder. Um, and so in many cases, you know, if you look at like Paradigm, right, they're you know, one of the best crypto firms in the world, VC firms in the world. They're builders, they're out there with companies they invest in, you know, building, literally they helped Uniswap with their V3. You know, they're doing research about you know, the best way to build protocols and you know, governance and security and you know, fixing bugs and doing all kinds of wonderful engineering and research things. What uh, there are other phenomena, like Delphi Digital yeah. helps with tokenomics, you know, Animoca helps with tokenomics and their experience of building games. What we do, I feel like, you know, 
by being a builder of a DAO and being multiple time entrepreneurs as my partner surges as well, you know, we have that experience where entrepreneurs can lean on us. And you don't always, you don't always know as a entrepreneur what you're going to need from your investors. But in our case, I'll offer you know, lots of insight on regulatory uh, and legal structuring and things that we've done <laughs> with Links DAO. You know, we'll offer um, you know, advice on, hey, how do I mint? How do I create great community? Um, you know, what are some things to watch out for? Uh, and you know, how, what does it mean to have a good community? And by the way, is that essential to you know, developing a business? Uh, and so it's been fun. Yeah. And you know, I like to say you know, there, it, it's a focus in the sense that it's what I do in like my leisure time. Yeah. Um, but there's a, there's a team running it. And so, so yeah, I'm chairman of that business. Uh, and you're not going to see me you know, doing five businesses like that. Yeah, yeah, that's the one that really gets the brain going. I love it. It's it's a mix of your know, Web three and crypto primitives, and then your know, golf, leisure, and sports. And those are two things I love. So I feel lucky. Well, I, I love the fact that LinkStow is a as as a concept as something that maybe a lot of people who might not be super crypto native can understand, right? So it's a, it's a thing that people will try to who might not be familiar with the concept of DAOs or maybe just slightly familiar can kind of get it when when given this context. Maybe for someone that has no idea what LinksDAO is, how would you explain it to someone who might not even be like a Web3 native person and like the vision Absolutely. behind it, how it works, et cetera? Yeah. So if you look at, you know, the golf industry today and, you know, just trying to go out and like play around, you know, your options are... Uh, so one, you know, there's public courses and there's some great ones, but in many places there aren't, you know, great ones or accessible ones. Um, you, you need to get equipment, you know, the equipment can be expensive. It just hasn't historically been like an accessible, friendly game. And then the best courses in many cases are like either resort courses. So they're semi-public, extremely expensive, or they're private and you just can't get in. And so it's a very... Um, it's been historically a very old guard industry and ecosystem. It's been changing over the past you know, 10, 15 years. You've seen really cool uh, products emerge like Topgolf, which is just a lot of fun and low price point, And I can go out to the driving range with my friends. Um, but you know, we wanted to create from scratch a true global golf community that had both online and in real life component and linked to the two. So we created something called LinksDAO. We use the power, the fundraising power of uh, DAOs, which you've seen with Constitution DAO and others where people are able to raise money from folks globally towards a common objective. And then we use the novel power of NFTs as you know, access passes and you know, membership passes and proof of you know, authentic membership you know, by you, and you've seen this with collectibles as well, but ours are membership NFTs. And we said, heck, you know, we can both, we can do two things at once, raise money and then give people these NFT you know, membership pass slash collectibles that give them governance rights from day one over what this club will look like. The rules, you know, some elements of you know, where the first course will be located and then hopefully over time, you know, many, many more. Uh, and then some of the online things we do, uh, we eventually will build, you know, a metaverse golf presence, right? Yeah. Some, it may be crypto native or non-crypto native, right? There are some really cool golf pluses, you know, there's some like really cool experiences that are, you throw an Oculus on, you can play a simulated game, you know, with hopefully links down members that you coordinate. You know, today our community is coordinated through Discord. It's kind of a web two tool, but we think over the next couple of years, some native tools will emerge that will allow us to run the community or we'll build them. 
uh, in a Web3 fashion. So we're excited. The community's excited. And uh, yeah, it's shown. You know, the price point of the NFTs has increased. We plan in the future to have sort of an accessible price point NFT for people who just want to enjoy the community, enjoy the perks, but don't necessarily want to join the physical clubs. And, uh, you know, again, it's it's sort of governed by a global network. I mean, we have people in, I think, 45 plus countries now, it might be 50 plus countries at this point, 46 out of 50 states. Um, and we're having a heck of a good time having our that's first, cool. like, in real life official meetup at South by Southwest. Oh, really? Uh, oh, that's uh, exciting. Yeah. And, you know, you have to be a pass holder, yeah. membership pass holder to be able to you know, purchase uh, tickets to participate. Two rounds, yeah. you know, tournament on the second day, a lot of fun. Yeah. I, I love how you've also taken like a sport that is inherently, it's not known as the most modern sport in the world, right? It's it, the, the stereotype. And also, honestly, the reality is that it's like a traditional old school exclusive thing, but you're really taking that, making it mainstream, Web3, modern, more democratized, more accessible. Do you think this model, I mean, we've seen obviously DAOs that are built to, as like investment DAOs to, to, to purchase like a, a soccer team or basketball team or any sort of asset, truly like fine art. Do you, do you, what, what do you think about this model of links DAO applied to other sports or leisure activities in general? Is that something you see happening? Yeah, it's a good question. So I think, I think some of the DAOs, like constitution DAO was not successful in, in what it attempted to do. Um, I think some of the DAOs that are attempting to purchase, you know, sports teams probably won't be successful in that objective. But, hey, maybe they'll build great communities. Um, some will be successful. And, you know, it's just hard to say which ones. Like different leagues and different targets have rules around who can buy what. Where ours is different is that we're not buying, you know, a professional league team with all sorts of rules and associations. We're buying, a, a, at the start, a property where we can kind of purchase it and then set our own rules. And I like to say, and, and we are the athletes, right? You know, we are the ones playing the game, the members ourselves. Whereas if you're trying to buy a pro sports team, it's not so the members can go play and, and be the sports team. So in our world, you, know, you can play golf until you die if you, you, know, if you stay healthy kind of thing. Um, and so it's, it's a little bit different in that respect. And it's, it's kind of the game that athletes of other sports like to play in their yeah. fun in their fun time. So I think it's unique and it's part of the, we love it, the folks who are involved in the community. It's why we chose it. And I just think it has that special recipe that perhaps not every um, game or pastime or sport has. Yeah. Well, it sounds like sport is something you're very passionate about. Like I, something I picked up on, you're talking about how NBA Top Shot was kind of your maybe passion re-entry or entry into the NFT space. Six Man Ventures, I'm guessing, is a reference to basketball, right? Um, it um, is. It okay. is. Me and my partner Serge met at, in the uh, in the Sixth Man Club at Stanford, which was the uh, you know basically basketball club for students. Got it. Got it. Okay. Well, I mean, I it, yeah, to... it has a double entendre. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah, I thought so. Um, so, I mean, I like to take things back to. I mean, a question I was telling you talking about this earlier, but a question I always ask people is that generally people we talk to who have an interest in you know, physical, digital collectibles, NFT, sports cards, sneakers, it, it usually comes from somewhere in their childhood or like a passion that has been with them for their whole lives. And my guess is that basketball or sports in general has been one for you. So maybe love to know what were your passions relevant to this growing up? And then also maybe if you could dive deeper into the story about how NBA Top Shot captivated you and how that might be like a quote unquote, like on ramp for sports fans getting into the crypto NFT space. Yeah, good question. So the basics are, you know, I basically became 
you know, interested in collecting at a very young age. And to your point, you know, my dad was a sports fan. He was a, a you know, Chicago sports fan. So it was like Bears and White Sox. And so I am Bulls. And, and he actually didn't force on me, you know, who the teams were, for, for better or worse. You know, it would have been nice to be a fan of some of those teams through the yeah. years. I became a... So I grew up in Connecticut, and I could have chosen you know, any sports teams, right? Like you could do the Red Sox, the Yankees. I chose the Mets. You know, you could do the Patriots, the Giants. I chose the Jets. Okay. You, know, you could choose the Celtics. I chose the Knicks. I mean, you, yeah. uh, you know, just I didn't get it right, but you know, like a fan is a fan. And yeah, so I started collecting. You know, growing up, I played golf. I played uh, you know, a little bit of basketball, but I'm five eight, so I didn't have a career there. And then um, you know, loved playing soccer and, and played baseball. So anyway, collected sports cards though, um, primarily, and, and you know, had friends who did, and my brother did, and you know, my neighbors did, and so we'd have a lot of fun. And it was that era, I was born in 1979, so it was like this era in the late 80s, early 90s, where it was just a massive glut, you probably remember, of, of cards. And so, you know, they're, they're candidly not really worth much, most of them. But it's funny, I've got boxes of them. Anytime I go back to my parents' house, just boxes of cards. Some of them are unboxed. So I've you know, started open. They're not worth a ton. Started opening them with the kids, and, and they're having a good time with it. And, hey, Daddy, is this one good? Like, is this in the Hall of Fame? And so, you know, that I've always been interested in that uh, and in collecting, but uh, lost, you know, didn't actively do it uh, from the call it the mid 90s until uh, Top Shot came along. And what changed for me, well, a couple things. I mean, let's be clear, you know, and it, and it ties to what we're doing with LinksDAO with this like global network of people who can connect with one another. Your Top Shot just really easily and uh, in the, in the digital good nature of it allows you to trade with people globally. Um, the Discord community that they had was extremely lively, you know, at the time in, in 2020. Still is you know, pretty lively now. The uh, the moments themselves were more exciting than like traditional cards and collectibles to me. And so, and, and it was speculative and fun, let's be honest, you know, and you could sort of trade in this really speculative, fun manner. So I was having a blast and just kept going deeper and deeper down the rabbit hole. Uh, and, you know, Top Shot served as the gateway uh, and it sort of bridged. It brought back a lot of those childhood memories, as we talked about, of trading with your friends, of, um, you know, going to the shop and like looking at stuff like the equivalent of that is going to the OpenSea marketplace and then you know, showing a link to a collection to your friends in a little Telegram chat or Slack chat or WeChat, you know, group, um, WhatsApp group. So, you know, basically those dynamics have really come back and, and people have loved it. And so, you know, the last year and a half, most of my NFT activity has been collectibles it's obviously changing now with links down others where there's like, you know, some, some really cool other elements being added. Um, but, but yeah, having a, having a lot of fun. I, I've got this thesis on sports entertainment NFTs as being like the best on-ramp for people getting into the space and how that might not be necessarily a prevailing narrative for more web three native people love to run that by you. So I mean, the way I see it, it's like at one point, NBA Top Shot was the biggest NFT project in the world. And I think that's because, first off, the, they didn't aggressively brand it as an NFT. They kept things simple from a UX perspective. They appealed to audiences that weren't just like crypto NFT diehards. And while 
the crypto NFT diehards have some issues with the fact that you know, like it's it's on what it's on the uh, Flow blockchain. You can't really transfer it to your to your own like Ethereum wallet. Things that are maybe an issue to more Web three native people. I what I see is an opportunity for sports entertainment NFTs, and of course now you have so many NFT sport companies like Recur, Autograph, etc. My take is that that will be one of the most underrated ways to get more mainstream adoption of NFTs. Uh, how does that resonate with what you're seeing in the market? Like, is that something you would agree with? Would you have thoughts on feedback on that? Um, specifically, say that one more time, just the one sentence question. I want to make sure I answer the right yeah, one. Yeah, no, sorry. It's like, if, if most of the Web3 native people in the world underrate the impact of sports entertainment NFTs, do you believe that to be true, considering uh, the fact that NBA Top Shot is very successful, but there are issues that oh. people have with it, you know? Yeah, so I, I'll just answer the question that I think I heard that is. So I think that it's been it's become clear. So just if you look at what people are interested in trading and where you know NFTs are gaining traction, it's massively in places where collectibles have you know, traditionally existed, right? So it's sports is a huge one. Uh, you know, you're starting to see some music NFTs, but things that are inherently social and fun is where we're seeing, you know, the emerging, uh, you know, emerging use cases, play to earn gaming. So gaming NFTs. And you know, I don't think that's going to change. I think that's like where we're going to continue to see, you know, the majority of mind share, the majority of spend, the majority of time spent. Uh, and so uh, what... What I think is going to be interesting is you're seeing in some quarters like backlash to NFTs, like particularly with gamers who yeah. many games, not all gamers, but many gamers and, and even many artists, for example, yeah. who are saying, hey, it, you know, this, these, uh, I think there's a lot of misinformation out there about NFTs. Hey, are they, are they um, environmentally friendly? Uh, are they just cash grabs? Like gamers feel like you know they're cash grabs. And look, there's a lot of bad actors out there. Um, so I, but I, but I think so. So Top Shot worked. I still think you knew you were getting an NFT, a unique moment. Like you know, I certainly did. I think most people did. Uh, I think that's important. I think you know it's different than just a collectible you haven't i don't you've seen rally and you've seen some of these marketplaces like grow but none of them have grown anywhere close to a open sea or magic eden or you know top shot have grown like from from two years ago to now um so i think it, having it be clear that it's a global uh increasingly permissionless market is really really important to long-term success no, totally and, and i think one thing that intuitively intuitively makes sense for me if you're a fan right it's like if you're a fan of like let's say steph curry slash the golden state warriors you might and as you know with news we focus on nft sneakers and trading cards you uh, you might buy steph curry's shoes you might buy steph curry nfts golden state warrior nfts and then you also might buy steph curry sports cards and as time goes on and you have companies like you know like fanatics that also have like an nft branch to their company I think those worlds are really coming together. So the differences between what a sports card is and an NFT is, they're they're still technically different, but they're blurring together as time goes on. And I think in sports entertainment, that's a really big area for that. Yep, yep, that makes uh, that does make sense to me. Yeah.
No, I, and I'm curious because, you know, considering all the stuff you're doing, you probably have a very good macro view of the space when it comes to Web3, crypto, metaverse, etc. Now, I guess it would be good for me to, I'd love to hear what you think is most exciting when it comes to the trends that you're most excited about. And maybe we could go at a macro level, like maybe the thesis behind six-man ventures and where you find yourself spending most time at, at like a macro uh, thematic trend. And then also have to go dive deeper afterwards into like maybe specific NFT projects you're excited about, specific DAOs you're excited about, et cetera, et cetera. So maybe starting off, what are the sort of like macro areas that you're spending the most time and you're the most excited about? Yeah, so the, the, the three buckets, as I mentioned earlier, are you know, largely you know, gaming and, and sort of you know, digital communities. Like we say metaverse, but like you're just like these digital communities that are coming together. That does extend into Web3 networks so, uh, and DAOs. So an example would be you know, we just invested in a company called VibeBio that is basically combining patient communities uh, with uh, so patient communities, you know, for specific called rare diseases with, you know, experts who can come in and, and help develop, you know, some of the some of the work that these patient communities have done in terms of raising money, in terms of like initial drug development, perhaps don't have the coordination and expertise. Um, and so a DAO is a novel model to, to come in and you know, have like world's foremost experts uh, come in and, and you know, offer some sort of guidance and governance over the process of hopefully developing uh, and getting really promising drugs through um, you know, the approval pipeline, which is daunting, obviously, the U.S. and globally. The, so we're focused on areas where we see uh, new models of, you know, community development, governance, and economic incentive, incentivization leading to, like, services that couldn't have existed five years ago. And a lot of those are existing, right? Collectibles is one, you know, online, you know, decentralized gaming and gambling, you know, two different markets, uh, you know, LinksDAO would be another, but, like, just... You know, we are pure crypto investors now, and, and what we found in the high-level thinking is tokens are great ways to, again, help, uh, help folks coordinate, you know, orchestrate action, govern, and incentivize you know, financially folks to you know, behave in certain ways. So you know, most of what we invest in will have some token element to it. And then... Uh, the, the last piece is, and you mentioned this earlier with how Topshot launched, hey, you know, it wasn't always clear to everybody it was an NFT, you know, investing in things that make it really uh, significantly easier uh, for people to interact with like, these Web3 services and applications that we're investing in. Um, an example is you know, if you'd wanted to buy a link, well, for example, Topshot used, uh, used you know, Fiat to dollars and credit cards for people to buy. Nifty Gateway did that. That was the easiest onboarding. If you wanted to purchase a LinksDAO NFT, like for some people, they had to create like a MetaMask wallet for the first time. And you didn't have the ability to do that um, previously. And it took them a number of days. Um, so we're looking at things that make that easier. Now people are doing things across different blockchains. And, and you know, that can be kind of like risky. There was an exploit of the Solana to Ethereum you know, main bridge called Wormhole. 
that fortunately investors backstop the losses there, but you know, that's not sustainable if it kept happening in perpetuity. So looking for uh, supporting you know, different sort of call, you know, cross-chain products that will help, help make it easier to use and move money across these different chains. So how about we get deeper into the NFT space specifically? Because I, I, you know, I was just on your Twitter earlier, and I see you have a CryptoPunk as your uh, Twitter profile picture, of course. Yeah. Uh, you know, considering what NFTs mean now versus a year ago, you know, we have everything from NFTs as 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 objects, items, and players and play to earn games. You have NFTs uh, from like like avatar projects. You have NFTs related to like uh, virtual land. Uh, there's there's a there's an entire range of what an NFT means, and I think for someone who's not deep in the NFT space, they might just know certain things like digital art. Oh, the Beeple sale. Oh, CryptoPunks, things like that. For you personally, what are the NFT maybe projects specifically you're most interested in or most excited about? What are the ones that have like captured the most attention? And maybe I'd imagine maybe CryptoPunks is one potentially, but I'd love to hear from you. Like, what are the NFT projects you're most excited about? Yeah, so I'm uh, obviously, yeah, CryptoPunks, like, uh, I think were the one that triggered many people's imagination about, you know, and help, were one of, along with Dapper Labs, you know, helped to establish, uh, you know, sort of the popularity of, uh, of you know, NFTs and, and sort of scarce assets on blockchains. Um, so, yeah, that's that's an important project that I think will just grow in importance over time. And there's like a really strong, passionate, loving, you know, OG community behind it. And so that's one. Board Ape, you mentioned that's sort of this, it feels like this generation's version. And frankly, the floor has like surpassed punks yep. in terms of value. I don't know if that'll be long-term sustainable, um, but, but it's been exciting to watch, you know, that project uh, emerge and, you know, I own a bunch. One that uh, I haven't done a ton of like one of one art buying. You know, I own a few Beeples and have purchased a couple other artists, but haven't done a ton. Mainly, I've never been somebody who was particularly deeply interested in art. But you know, for example, Beeples, I, I like what he does. It's cool. It's clever. It's fun. So I get excited about that. Um, the uh, the ones that so on Solana, there's Solana Monkey Business, which has a really cool community and DAO around it that has a lot of uh, so it's a PFP project, but like there's a lot of uh, alpha if you're in that DAO. But it's what what's happening in the Solana ecosystem. So I think that's really valuable, and I think you'll see some of the other communities. Larva Labs is you know Discord is open and, and has that as well. And, uh, you know, the, the big one that I really like that is like been out of favor for it feels like now five or six months is Artblock. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I own a bunch, you know, personally, you know, I'm, I'm like I've made you know, money on paper on them. But like overall, the market just has gone like sort of like sideways to down. It's been down pretty bad, over, <laughs> down bad over the last four months. Um, partially, and, and I think Dapper's face this a little bit too with Top Shot due to what perceived oversupply, just you know, t- too much being put out there. Um, it's we. I, I still think that you know, given the global audience here, um, that long term things like Art Blocks and Top Shot have you know, a chance. I think to to really be important, particularly Art Blocks. Uh, but you know, what's interesting, if you just look at like the, the volumes, for example, on OpenSea, the volumes on, on, of these products are really high, but the number of collectors is still relatively small. 
Uh, so it's just a lot of whales doing a ton of, you know, training and, and flipping. And we just, you know, I think before it's going to take a little bit of time. It's probably the next wave, the next big wave. As I said, once these wallets, once Coinbase launches their NFT marketplace, like, and these things become a little easier to use with like fiat on ramps and things like that. Um, we just need more collectors. And, and so, you know, art blocks, it, it takes an appreciation um, and it, it, it just hasn't yet yeah, hasn't moved. That's, that's kind of, I think they're slept on in terms of like uh, PFP projects. I'm, I, it's, I have a real hard time, like keeping up with them. There's just so many, and, so true. you know, they're all like, there's so many that are just like massive, like derivatives of the last, uh, you know, the last thing to where like, I can't sometimes even tell like what the thing is that I bought, but the, the fun one that I bought the other day, uh, I think it was called like tubby cats or something. Okay. And so I bought, bought a bunch of those, um, and just having some fun with it. Yeah. I bought tubby cats and yeah, but I've bought some polymorphs. They're just almost so ugly. They're pretty, uh, and just, you know, fun stuff like that. And then crypto coven, I just thought they were really, oh, really, yes. really well done. So I bought a bunch of those, but those are just a few. I think the key is I just don't pay attention to stuff that I miss. Like I've missed things like doodles and other stuff and it's, it's fine. Like there's just so much stuff out there. Buy what you like. Well, this, this maybe like begs the natural next question then. Like, you I mean, obviously you have your investor head on with six man ventures, maybe as like a personal NFT investor, obviously not financial advice here. Like, how do you say like, how do you determine like what you should be spending your time on? Is it just based on personal passions? Do you like look at the community, the team, the artwork? Like as you look in the incredibly immense world of NFTs, how do you decide what's worth your time and your money? Yeah, uh, it has to be stuff that like I personally like. Typically, to your point, there have to be other folks that I enjoy, you know, talking with it about collecting at least a little bit so we can chat about it and have fun. And, and what's interesting is those communities don't overlap. Like there's a lot of folks that collect art blocks um, who I talk to about it on a decently regular basis who you know, don't collect that. I have like a then a, like a degenerate group that just collecting all these profile pick projects that I don't know what a lot of them are. Uh, and then, by the way, yeah, I, 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 to your, I did give a little bit of short shrift, like NFTs that increasingly are fun and participatory. Like we, we invested on uh, six ventures in fan-controlled football. You know, they had an NFT drop where those uh, NFTs yeah. are going to allow you to participate in the game and have utility. Like I, I think we're, we're moving towards an era where you're going to have like NFTs that have more functionality and, and fun, like links to some member passes do. And you know, those are the ones that are really starting to excite me and that I'm looking and I, I know like tons of teams are working on you know, other exciting models like that because I get pitched to stuff all the time. Uh, another one would be the, you know, the, the fluff world. Like I own like everything they do, fluff, like, and then the altered state machine, you know, Aifa and their brains. Like I just love the idea of seeing, hey, if we put some artificial intelligence against these um, different NFTs and, and that gives them different properties in whatever game or metaverse they're playing in, like what's the impact going to be? It's just fun. Like these are interesting experiments to me. No, I, I think another another thing that you mentioned a bit earlier was the fact that how can we expand the market of collectors, right? How do we get more people interested in NFTs, make that market bigger? And obviously, one of the things we were talking about is having stuff like the Coinbase NFT marketplace will help. But I also think about things that what you're doing at the block, like education and media and content to teach people is also very important. How do you think that needs to be improved in the market today? Like what educational resources 
currently do not exist as much as they should or what content does not exist as much as it should right now? Yeah, so definitely, you know, the stuff around like responsibility, uh, you know, security responsibility, what it means to sign transactions, like people are so, so, so confused, it's clear. Um, and, you know, it's a big responsibility. And I think people aren't, you know, in the new, the average new entrant to crypto isn't up to the challenge. So, you know, security and what it means to self-custody crypto and sign transactions and store things, you know, in cold wallets is like the number one area that we need to do more on. Uh, if folks are going to truly participate in Web3 versus, you know, in these, you know, gated, centralized, uh, centralized communities, uh, I'm sorry, products, you know, whether it be centralized exchanges or, or other things, marketplaces. Now, uh, before we, we close up, I want to ask a question that just kind of came to mind right now. What, what is something you think people are not talking about enough? Maybe what's underrated in terms of either company or topic or area that you think has more potential than it's given credit for at the moment? Yeah, so I would say uh, I think there's been so it's I think it's been talked about jokingly. Uh, a lot of people are looking at like again, I'll mention a Web three version of Uber or you know like like file what Filecoin's doing with like decentralized storage. But I do think you're going to see over the next five to ten years a lot of like Web two products where, uh, you know, there, we move from like a centralized Airbnb or a centralized Uber controlling a network to uh, a participatory, collectively owned uh, you know, group of folks. I think the insiders in the ecosystem have largely talked about those things in a sarcastic, that sounds like something like a VC would say sort of way. And I think in the long run, they're going to be proven wrong. And, you know, you've seen Andreessen Horowitz has been a big proponent of like that vision of Web3. Um, that's, that's definitely, you know, one thing. Uh, and then more recently, you know, just Bitcoin has been with the mainstream maybe a little bit out of favor as an asset. Um, yeah, I bought some Bitcoin today. Uh, it ultimately is, in my mind, you know, one of, it's going to be like the, the currency, the, it's the original cryptocurrency. Um, and it birthed this entire you know, ecosystem of, of you know, crypto money. Uh, I think it's going to really come back into vogue how important the security of that network is and therefore, you know, the value of the underlying currency. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty bullish. You know, I don't know. It's hard to say in a two to three month time horizon, but I have sort of a renewed bullishness and, on Bitcoin over a multiple year horizon. Now the the last two even questions. even if it's yeah. just as a store of value, a sovereign money, Fair. and a way to move money, and and you know, dangerous and dire circumstances for specific people, or you know for unsavory reasons that, that you know, and so you know, it's I, I think the not, the the chatter around it's picked up over the past couple of weeks, you know, with the you know the Canada protests and now with war. Uh, and with you know, endless money printing, but price hasn't really followed. And I do think that's going to change, you know, over the next 12 to 18 months. No, that's that's a fascinating. Uh, we need we need FTs on, on Bitcoin now, right? Maybe, I, maybe on stacks. Maybe, maybe stacks is the layer two that maybe that's the under talked about thing that yeah. finally helps you know, the application layer in Bitcoin take off. We'll see. 
I mean, nothing at this point surprises me about things that happen in this case, <laughs> so I think it's completely possible. Now, the last two questions we ask every guest here, the first one is, where can people find you, Twitter, et cetera? And then second, what's one last message you'd like to leave the audience? Yeah, awesome. So just at M-D-U-D-A-S, at M-Dudas on Twitter is always the best spot. You know, I have open DMs. I can't respond to everybody, but you know, anybody can reach me there and I'll see it. Um, and then uh, one thought to leave folks with is, you know, like we're at a really exciting inflection point where, uh, again, it's it's wild and this this happens a lot, but typically... You know, to price action in crypto doesn't follow necessarily always the level of interest and you know, building and enthusiasm. So I've never seen an environment where you had more great people building you know applications that are exciting, um, and it's going to lead to just I think it's going to be well we're already down you know fifty percent plus from the highs on just about every coin. Um, it's gnarly. There's a lot of new entrants who may have gone and never come back. But there's now been enough money put into the ecosystem, invested by really smart money, individuals, venture capitalists, people who've made money in previous cycles that's being put to work. Um, and so let's say we do stay in a bear market, you know, we're going to come out uh, in 2023 or whenever we come out of it. Uh, and I don't know if we will stay there. Maybe we go right back into a bear, a bull. I don't know. But there's a ton of great teams working on this. And there's a lot of reasons for it from a macro perspective, you know, just seeing what's happening, even in democratic governments with control over money and censorship. Uh, and then, you know, as you look at the sort of best Web2 companies, best air quotes, you know, they're getting wrecked. Even fintech companies like Google, um, sorry, Facebook, uh, Square, you know, many others. So I think a lot of folks are saying, OK, what's next and realizing that, you know, it's crypto and you know, Web3 and you know, NFT-enabled services. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for that, Mike. Really appreciate you taking the time. Learned a lot from this conversation. And, and thanks again for coming on the podcast. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it, Tony. Thanks for listening to New Street X. You can learn more about Mike, LinkStyle, Six Man Ventures, and more in the show notes. And learn more about New Street at newstreet.com. Make sure to like, follow, subscribe, and give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify.